Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Good evening, Sunday, February 7th, 2010. This is Baruch here with you, an, another edition of Paradigms, the show where we examine what's working, what are our visions of a viable future for life on Earth, hopefully including humans. And tonight we've got a really fun show with a wonderful person, human being, and a really, really creative and talented musician. He's called The Rhythm Rancher. His name is Will McCoy, and we'll be hearing music from him and an interview with him. And I'll tell you how I met him and stuff like that. Very interesting. And so uh, stick around for that. Lots of other interesting news I'll be telling you about throughout the next hour and a half. But let's jump right into some music from the Rhythm Rancher. This is from his CD, The Mad Monk. It's called On the Ground.
Will McCoy, the rhythm rancher, and the, the tune is on the ground. Have you ever heard anything like that? So I, I hadn't. So here's the deal. I have a number of brothers, and one of them lives not too far from me, and he's a very talented guitar player who's been playing you know, for close to 50 years. And he gets beautiful instruments and plays them for a while, and then he sells them. Sometimes he keeps some. So somehow he uh, ended up being contacted by this guy, Will McCoy, who is a musician and was looking for a guitar. And uh, my brother turned him on to me, somehow connected us. And we've never met in person, but we've talked on the phone and emailed a bunch. And he and his wife, Gemma, live in Northern California, and they are... Uh, lovers of the same kind of dog that I really love, which are Samoyeds. I've had a couple of Samoyed dog friends, and so have they. And so we connected over that. And he sent me some of his music, and I was just like, wow, got to get you on the air. Just amazing music. And I'll let him tell you more about the motivation of the music uh, in just a moment. So we're going to be hearing more from him tonight, and we've got a three parts of an interview. So let's listen to the first part of our interview with Will McCoy, the Rhythm Rancher on Paradigms on WBKM.org. My name is Will McCoy, and I'm uh, a musician, and I play as and write as the Rhythm Rancher. And I'm in Northern California, um, out just near the Marble Mountains, up in Northern California, close to the Oregon border, and pretty much uh, focusing on uh, generating cosmic vibes through the music and enriching the planet in that way. Well, and the folks who are listening just heard some of your music, and so they already got some of those vibes from oh, you. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in how you got to this place with your music, because your music is, it's, it's archetypal. It, it, it's below, it's subliminal. It's below the mind. Oh, thank you so much. What a compliment. I, I really appreciate that. Um, that's an interesting question. <laughs> it's, uh, how did I? Why am I doing what I'm doing now? Or well, how did this? How did you get to where the music is what it is? I mean, it's it's not typical music. You know, it's not typical song. It's it's. I see what you're saying. I'm a big player. I I love to play, and I love the process of. Um, the transformation through the playing of music. Um, I'm one of those people that started out uh, very young as a musician. I, my parents uh, got some kind of special deal on this rental of this little mini organ back in 1959, and I was the recipient of this uh, free, free six weeks of lessons on this little tiny mini electric organ, and it just blew my mind. I loved it so much. Uh, but then I started taking like regular lessons after that and quickly developed uh, a dislike for music, for learning music, right? Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple more music teachers and then I, you know, uh, started to dislike music class in school. And then I realized, boy, I better stop this uh, altogether. And after about six years of keyboard lessons as a kid, or about five years, uh, and, and really committed to not learning anything. <laughs> <laughs> I really I was committed. Even if I had to do a recital, 
I would go up there unprepared and just mess it all up and, and figure, well, that was a learning experience. But I'm not really proud of that. I'm just saying I was a committed kid to not learning music. So I had this turning point, though, when I met a guitar. I found a guitar one time and just started playing with it, and I said, whoa, this is my thing. i, I got to get into this. And so I was determined to not take too many lessons or anything and not try to go that approach. So and by this time, I was about 12 or 13, and I had conveniently resisted and for, well, forgotten any kind of musical uh, reading that I had learned. So I didn't know how to read music. I still don't. And I've pretty much stayed in that dark stage of primitive musician, not trying to be a virtuoso. I'm trying to not be a virtuoso. And uh, it's pretty easy <laughs> to not be a virtuoso. But what I'm, what I'm really trying to work at is the pleasure created through music, and which has translated itself to me as a healing force. And uh, the music itself basically started recording it for a friend who was in trouble, who, who needed some serious uh, ignition in his brain, basically. He had had a stroke and was in, in really rough condition. And he was my old uh, jamming buddy from high school. We were in bands together, we played music together. So my first effort really in recording music was to try to create a set of music that would absolutely, you know, ignite and spark plug ignition to his brain, uh, which seemed to be you know, on many levels kind of disconnected mm. from stroke. He never spoke again and he was blind and he was half paralyzed and uh, so, and like I said, this was my best friend. So it was a very uh, natural kind of approach to just, I want to put something together, I want to write something, record something, and hand it to him that will at least put a smile on his face. But I really, you know, I know his musical taste, I know how he plays, I know what he likes. But I really want to do more than that. I really want to try to help him come back if that's what he wants to do. How, how did... Uh he received the music. Did he respond to it? Yeah, he, you know, it was, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I felt kind of selfish about it because I think I got more out of it than he did. Uh, but he seemed very thrilled with each production that I would hand him. And uh, I did, I was able to hand him about six, uh, five different CDs or six different CDs that he was able to enjoy. The Mad Monk CD, which was the last one that I wrote, for him, specifically, uh, he never got to hear that, actually, but uh, he passed away right at the end of producing that, so I didn't really get to put that on his hand. But, but all the other ones he really got to enjoy, and I got to see, I got to watch him listening to it, and he used it a little bit for his workouts and uh, his breathing exercises and that type of thing, and I'm saying basically that's my my uh, clinical study right there, this one guy. <laughs> it's not exactly a scientific approach, but it's more of an uh, esoteric approach, and more of a subtle approach, a subtle science of just pure intention and pure love. Great motivations. We, we had a good connection. We were real bros, and like I said, we spoke the musical language, so I thought, this is, this is my chance. We can do this. We can do this, you know. 
And uh, I think we shared a lot of beautiful vibes through it, and a lot of the love deepened, and I cannot say that I was able to impact his condition, though. That seemed to be very crystallized and did not improve. He, he lived for about 11 years after that, and then, you know, just passed away very peacefully. But well, if he had some smiles and some moments of joy from your music, that is impact that can't even be measured. That's how I felt, Baruch. That's exactly how I felt. It was very rewarding in that sense. And, I, you know, he's been gone now about three years, and so immediately I started, I mean, I continued just writing music after he left, but I kind of, it took me a while to transition into my new mode. I, I think I wrote about four more CDs worth of stuff without really realizing what I was even doing anymore. I, I sort of lost my purpose for a while and uh, was still kind of writing it for him, but knew he would never hear it exactly, so in this realm, <laughs> and uh, which I guess isn't that big a deal anyway. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm sure he probably did hear it. Uh, and that that was a great process, but I think the the CD that I sent you recently, the Sleep On It CD, is my first CD that was sort of had a whole new challenge to it or a whole new experience to it, which is another whole story. <laughs> but it's uh, that CD is basically uh, kind of the process of my own healing of a, a busted up arm tendon that I did about a year ago. So the CD is chronologically written. The, uh, the last song is the first one, and the first one is the last one I wrote on it. So it's actually a chronology of the experience of this arm that could not even really play more than a couple of minutes without extreme pain, and by the end was, was pretty loosened up and almost good as new again. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Both the, the the making of the music and the vibe of the music itself having an effect on you. Yeah, it it uh, I really wanted to do it, and I wanted to to feel my arm coming back through the music. So it worked. It really worked, and then the constant intention of my arm coming back. You know, even though I had heard from people saying, oh, man, these are really hard to heal. They're worse than bone, broken bones, and some people need surgery and all this kind of stuff to get their reach back and their mobility back. And it was about a year ago this time I was in extreme pain, and I couldn't even believe it. It was like the worst injury I think I've ever had, actually. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I couldn't sleep for more than like two minutes because I would move and the thing would be like stabbing me in the shoulder and... So anyway, it was a, it was a long process that really meant a lot to me, and I kind of just realized towards the end this one's for me, <laughs> and uh, it it was very effective. That's Will McCoy, the Rhythm Rancher, talking about some of his motivations and and uh, healing a rotator cuff injury. Which, if you've ever had one, I've had two. They're really painful and they're not fun. So I think it's great that he connected his music with the physical healing of his body and and was putting creating music to offer to his friend for healing and who knows at what level healing happens inside us there's a really amazing man named Stephen Levine who works 
I don't know if he's still out there doing it, but he was working with uh, people who were dying and people who were close to people who were dying, and he was writing about it, and he talked about how healing doesn't always mean getting better. So uh, that's some interesting stuff from Will. We're going to listen to some music now from The Mad Monk, which is that CD Will talked about, that first one that he made for his friend. And then we'll be back with another installment of the interview. We've got three tracks, and we're going to start right now with the title track, Mad Monk. You're listening to, uh, you're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. <laughs>
a verlo
Muévete, muévete.
That's the Rhythm Rancher, Will McCoy. That one was called Babaloha. We heard Long Way Home before that and started out with Mad Monk. I don't know where this music's taken you, but I find it, I find myself amused. I, there are parts that are just beauteous that move me. I'm, I'm sonically stimulated. It's really unusual, and uh, I, I hope you're enjoying this music as much as I am. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. My name is Baruch, and we're here every Sunday night from 8 to 9.30 Eastern Time, exploring all kinds of different things. So I'll let you know a little bit about some upcoming shows. Next week, we're having a show on local vorism, which, if you don't know what it is, means eating food that's grown locally. So we're going to be talking to some folks from the Vermont Fresh Network, from uh, Backyard Farm Vermont, which is a little small business where people are helping people get their own gardens going. And I believe if all works out, we'll also be talking to some restaurateurs who are uh, focused on offering local food in their restaurants. So we'll talk about why that's all a good idea and why it tastes better and stuff like that. That's next week. The week after that, we will be meeting some people from the Bajawi who are a people that live in northern Africa, in eastern Sudan and Eritrea and upper Egypt. And they are an indigenous people. You'll be fascinated to hear these interviews and to hear the music, the music coming from there. That will be on the 21st. Looking forward to that very much. And on the 28th of February, we're doing a show focusing on issues related to water, privatization of water, pollution of water, what are all the different issues about water? You know, we, we keep hearing water is the new oil in terms of its value as a resource. Well, let's, we're going to find out some more about what's happening with water and ways we can interact with water that are good. So that's all happening. And the other thing that I'm really excited about is that we are launching our new website, hopefully this week. So you want to check out our website, paradigms.bz couple of times during the week and you'll notice when it changes we've got a whole new web design with a player and five ways you can download the podcast and everything's right there at your fingertips the current site was you know a great start but it's rather cumbersome this new site is designed by my friends greg and leah at picked media p-i-c-t-m-e-d-i-a.com if you need any web work done, check them out. They do beautiful stuff, and they're wonderful to work with and sweet people and very creative and talented. So check them out. They'll be uh, they're available, and they're, they're working on, on our new site. It's almost ready, so look forward to uh, offering that. Let's go and listen to the next part of our interview with the Rhythm Rancher. This is Will McCoy on Paradigms on WBKM.org. Listening to your music, there are so many instruments. And I'm, I'm interested in what instruments you're playing and what instruments you're falling in love with. And Well, my, uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. My, my main instrument really is guitar, but I, I use other instruments to break through uh, blockages with the guitar. And by blockages, I mean... Uh, you know, most guitar players, most instrument players kind of get into a rut here and there, and you kind of, you know, you get to this place where you're like, wow, is this all I know? And I use other instruments like dulcimer, mandolin, uh, banjo, uh, octave mandolin, 
ukuleles and uh, baritone ukuleles, just different weird stringed instruments that I've never really studied or played much. And uh, I use those to help kind of, oh yeah, kalimba and uh, a lot of drums, uh, keyboards, everything on the keyboards. And I use all these things to help me break through into kind of different territories and find new stuff. Uh, and, of course, in the process, harmonica, flutes. Oh, gosh, I just got into flutes a couple of years back and got the flute fever, you know. And uh, All these things just pull me really hard, and I, I love instruments so much uh, that I just can't get enough of them. So reed instruments, you know, squeeze boxes, harmoniums, all these kind of things just drive me crazy. I guess you could say I'm I'm probably not... Uh, well, I'm willing to say I'm not mastering any of them, but I am enjoying all of them. I'm really, really, really enjoying them. I mean, I just oh, I love these things. Well, and you're bringing them together in ways that I've certainly never heard before. Oh, thanks. I, <laughs> I'm having fun with uh, getting things to sound like something else, too. And that is, uh, you know... I think what it is, Baruch, and I'm sure many people feel the same way as I do, you know, when you listen to music, you hear a lot of the same kind of mondoistic type stuff, like, wow, doesn't that sound like that other song I just heard on yeah. the other Yes. That kind of sounds so much the same, and I think it's, as a musician, I think it's a very practical reason. It's because a lot of young musicians want to sound like people they admire. Mm-hmm. They respect. They want to sound exactly like them, not just like them, but exactly like them. And and that's okay. I mean, that's something. Emulation is a beautiful thing, especially when there's admiration and respect. And and what people, I think, really find as they play more and more into the music uh, world, you find that it's actually more thrilling to discover a relationship with an instrument that isn't based on what you've heard or what you're trying to emulate or sounding like something else, but just you and the instrument kind of discovering each other. And I've come to really enjoy that flavor. Like, uh, let me give you an example. The first time I got a banjo, I had never touched a banjo before. And I just popped it out of the uh, box and started playing it right away, tuned it up and started playing it. And uh, I had to look online to see how it was tuned, make sure I got it right. And I found out there's like 20 different ways to tune a banjo. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just pick one of these. I picked the basic banjo tuning and started playing it. And I thought, oh, man, this sounds incredible. I was flipping out on the sound of it. Just the sound of the instrument, the sound of one note was just blowing my mind. So I thought, okay, I, I can't play this anymore. i got to wait till I can record this. I want to hear the sound of a brand new, unexperienced guy hitting his first banjo. That is like special. That is like the thrill of it. You know, the the ecstasy of wow, what is this thing? Who has made this? This is an incredible invention. Like a little kid, the discovery of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, your excitement is really, and the music is exciting. You know, listening to your music, it's not like you know, uh, monotonous by any stretch. There's a lot of texture and up and down and in and out and passion. Well, that's that's nice to hear. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I I feel like this last CD 
has a very uh, quiet tone to it, and I I was aiming more at this relaxation and kind of a healing state uh, through the sonic vibes. I wanted it to be potent in that way, and yet I really I think it is important to have some surprises in there, some things that that don't just put the mind to sleep. Uh, there's a it's kind of that blend of uh, having a harmonious nourishing uh, therapeutic sound and yet if it's boring then then the mind wants to do something else you know and so that's my challenge is to try to use even humor in the music to to trick the mind into smiling uh, you know to get that inner smile going uh, I really believe that a person's state of well-being has everything to do with how they feel and I don't feel that it has much to do with anything else. So I'm working on that premise that if I could make people feel just a little bit better, especially without even knowing it, then I have totally succeeded. And I think maybe the, the easiest way for me to do that is just to try to share the discovery and the passion uh, and the enjoyment of it all. You know, there, there, an old doctor friend of mine, uh, my old chiropractor uh, when I lived on the coast, that basically was telling me that he thought that my music was a sleep aid. And at first I, I thought, oh, bummer, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so I put him to sleep, okay, good. Uh, and so I, I thought, I kind of resisted that idea, but he explained to me that he really felt that it, it had that... Uh, of mystical potency of putting people at ease at least if not to sleep but to relax and he goes you know for like treatments and massage and this kind of thing it's really fantastic and so uh, but really sleep aids are a big thing and he's he's very involved with that kind of work as well uh, in designing uh, different kinds of pillows and so forth and so anyway we started talking and simultaneously someone else that I had been in touch with this lady in Wisconsin was starting to write me telling me that she had been on all kinds of drugs and sleep aids and sleep and she had tried every sleeping pill on the product that the doctor had given her all these things and none of it worked that my music was actually up in her sleep and I thought wow how peculiar is that that's amazing uh, well I certainly didn't plan on that but since that is what they're saying, a couple of people were saying, it gave me the idea that, you know, maybe I should try to create that kind of a vibe that would actually help people find restfulness, peacefulness, or sleep, uh, relaxation at least. And um, I think, yeah, this last one is definitely sort of aimed in that direction uh, with that in mind. And so in a way... When I hear it, when I listen to it, I feel like, wow. What it does for me is it, it relaxes me, but it also makes me want to play. And I'm hoping that people will get that side of it, too. I'm inviting people to play. I'm inviting musicians to touch their instruments, pick them up, play with me, please. <laughs> because I love to jam. I'm a complete jammer. I'm into the jam. That's that's the only kind of music I really relate to is improvised music, experimental jam music. Do you have a group of folks you jam with on a regular basis? 
no. <laughs> I actually have a total hermit. And, uh, you know, I do have one guy uh, up over the mountain that I jam with that is really quite inspiring. He's a guitar player and a singer and drummer. And, uh, but that's about it. Really, he's the only one I jammed with him in the last, probably the last 10 years. Hmm. So this is, but by asking that question, I'm so glad you asked it, Baruch, because I am kind of a hermit. I live in the mountains. Uh, I'm way outside of a town of like 600 people. And there's there's really not a whole lot of jamming possibilities. So this is what got me into building a studio and going into multi-track recording uh, and using electronica as much as I could to try to fill in the blanks. But what I found is that now I can play every part in the band. I don't need to actually have any jammers, but I do love jammers. It's just that there's no one around here to jam with. So sort of by uh, the pragmatic sense, it all kind of came together for me to jam with myself. <laughs> That's really all I'm doing. Is it's all just me playing with myself. Sounds kind of crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have discovered that because we have these technologies now that are actually fairly simple to learn, the creative outlets are increased and expanded. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! It just—it's when when I first heard about, for example, computer music, I thought, "Oh, that's crazy! Who would do? You know, that's crazy! What are they talking about? You know, playing music on a key on a little computer keyboard or whatever." But I didn't really understand where it was going to go. Or when I first heard about MIDI, the musical instrument digital interface the language that electronic instruments and synthesizers can speak to each other. I was like, what? They can speak to each other? No way. No way. Come on, tell me about this. I just learned about this stuff about 10 years ago, and I went completely crazy because I realized I could do a 147-piece orchestra all myself and maybe even sound better. That sounds pretty egotistic, but, you know, in my, in my own taste, in the sense of my own taste, I can do it better. Yep. And therefore, uh, it's the ultimate fun. And from a keyboard uh, hooked up to a computer, if you have the right software, uh, and this stuff is expensive, it's not cheap, but there are some softwares that are pretty inexpensive that are virtual synthesizers, and basically, with a keyboard, you can you can play sitar, you can play Egyptian nay, you can play guitar, you can play uh, harmonica, or, or any other acoustic instrument in existence from your keyboard. Not your computer keyboard, necessarily, but a real keyboard. Uh, hooked up to your software, and this has opened up the, you know, it has opened up the world for musicians because anything you want, Anything you want. You want a native flute, you want the sound of uh, bells on a sleigh, anything you want, you can create it and actually play it chromatically on your keyboard. It takes a while to figure out how to hook it up and use it. That's the, that is the most difficult part, is the configuration. Once you've configured it, though, the world of instruments is at your fingertips, and it's crazy. It's, it's created a, a situation that we call... Uh, option anxiety syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Too many choices. Yeah, we call it OAS, 
Hobson anxiety syndrome. You know, you just go, whoa, I, I don't know where to start. I think I'll just stop. <laughs> and so back to the acoustic instruments, that is always a great place to start because you can just grab one of those and start making some noise on it and see what happens. And the multi-track capacity of computers or uh, either tape or, you know, old analog multi-trackers or the digital multi-trackers, again, has given a musician the capacity, you know, to lay down his bass part and then put down the chords and then put down the melody, put the leads, and every part of it improvise, go back and edit, change it, fix it, do whatever, uh, or erase whole sections and re-record them. It's just created a whole... Uh, and, of course, multi-tracking has been used for a long time. I mean, the Beatles were famous for you know, making it uh, known as a technology that, yeah, you can lay this track and then lay some more tracks on top of it. Of course, those guys were into the real simple and basic, clear, clean technology that, uh, you know, they weren't really doing too much fancy editing or anything. They like to do it right the first time. You know? <laughs> Talking with Will McCoy there, the Rhythm Rancher, and it's true that if you're a musician, you know, and your instrument isn't handy, you're probably less likely to play it. I think for all of us, having our creative tools, whatever they may be, within reach, makes a really big difference. Um, I'm not a, a great instrumentalist by any means, but I do have a little guitar my brother gave me, and I keep it handy. And, you know, when I feel moved, I can just grab it and play. You know, if I, if I want to draw something, actually, I don't have any art materials out right now but the point is you get the point so if there's something that turns you on some way of expressing yourself and you're not doing it as much as you wish you were make sure you have your tools handy you know you're listening to paradigms on wbkm.org baruch here with you and we're going to listen now to some more of the rhythm ranchers music from the cd he was talking about sleep on it so let's start with the title track sleep on it
Last Night is the name of that one from the Rhythm Rancher, and we heard Sleep on it before that. And you can really hear how the, the music on this Sleep on it CD is so different from the Mad Monk, and he's really exploring new territory, different territory. If you want to know more about the Rhythm Rancher, there will be a link on our site, uh, once I get the podcast up this evening, then the new set, new page will go up for tonight's show, and there will be a link there to his MySpace page. But you can also just go to myspace.com slash rhythmrancher, and he's got all kinds of information about the music and some really great photographs and uh, musical tracks you can listen to. So if you like what you're hearing, definitely check that out. We've got one more bit of interview with Will McCoy, the Rhythm Rancher, and then some more music from him. So let's hear that last bit of our interview on Paradigms on WBKM.org. I think there are a lot of people in the world who hear music in their head and have uh, no tools for getting it out of their head so other people can hear it. And some of the, the technology stuff that you're talking about Yes, people have to learn how to use it, but I think it provides a, a set of tools for taking the music you hear in your head and, and taking it out of your head into the world. So one of the reasons I was asking you about that is I think a lot of folks have this belief that I can't do it. Right. You know? And, right. And it's not true. I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying. It's kind of uh, it's like my wife and I really believe that everyone can be a master composer, and everyone knows what they like. And it's just a matter of, you know, picking up a way or an ability to put that together and to make it and create it. This is where I think a lot of people who wouldn't be playing music or wouldn't be making music today are actually able to step into it. And so, in a way, I'm trying to create that feeling in my music amongst people, either musicians or people who would like to get into music as an experience, uh, that that feeling of, I could do that, you know, I could do that, I could definitely do that, I could see myself doing that. And, and that's what I was really working with my friend, uh, John, uh, who uh, had had the stroke. That's exactly what I wanted to get registered with him, was, I could do that. I can play my drum again. I can play the keyboard again. I don't have to say no. And uh, I think that's such a fun uh, thing to shoot for, <laughs> to shoot for the participation or to shoot for creating uh, enthusiasm for the participation. Yep. And permission, you know, for pe a way for people to give themselves permission to try something. Yes, yes, yes. Because, I, exactly, most people are afraid to proceed because they don't want to make any mistakes. And if they make mistakes, then they have admitted that they're, they're not good or they can't do it right or they feel stupid or whatever. People don't like to make mistakes, you know. And um, th for this reason, too, I, if you notice, I, I've left some mistakes evident because I think mistakes are good. Mistakes are showing that you are willing to risk, that you're willing to venture out. And, and who knows if it's a mistake or not? Really, who's to say, I mean, who's to determine that? 
And sometimes through mistakes, I've learned my best stuff. So I think we can all agree on that one. That's a big uh, uh, learning space. Absolutely. You know, when you're playing guitar and you accidentally, you know, or you listen to your favorite guitar piece that someone else did, and there are these magical little notes that you think, how did they do that? And it was an accident. Right. You know, your <laughs> finger hit that string just, and you didn't intend to, but these these, these serendipitous, these accidental, accidental beauty, you know, yeah. is part of life. Beautiful, beautiful description of that. Yes, accidental beauty. I love that. Yeah, I've run into more uh, that way, and more inspiration in the musical zone that way than anything else. And, you know, maybe if I read music and if I was able to compose like Beethoven or something or write it all down, and I don't know, it might be a whole different experience for me. But the way I'm doing it, the way I'm feeling it, uh, I feel like I've got to stay alive for a lot longer because I've got so much... So many sonic experiments I've got to do that it's unbelievable. I can't even list them all. They're, they're so exciting, and I wake up thinking about them, and I go to sleep thinking about them. And uh, it's, it's pretty exhilarating, really. Do you play it's music a, every day? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Something. A little bit of something every day. And I, I don't record every day. I try to uh, follow the advice of a, an old artist friend of mine, who said, uh, I asked him, when, when do you know when a painting is done? He goes, when you can resist painting. And so I said, okay. And as I try to practice that in the music zone and in recording. I, don't, I wait till I can't stand it, and then I record. You know, I mean, I wait till I'm just really anxious to record, it, and then I record. Otherwise, uh, I just play a lot. And I, I, I just, I have instruments laying all over the place, and I just, I think that's key, is to have them in front of you, have them within arm's reach. Like right now, I've got a guitar right here and a keyboard right here within two feet of me. So if I have an idea, if I want to play it, I can just grab it and, and pick it out. And I don't have to, uh, you know, make a note of that to do that later. <laughs> I heard one time that George Harrison had uh, ukuleles uh, hung all over his whole house. <laughs> and that was his favorite instrument, and that way, anywhere he was, he could just grab one and, and get it going. You know? I and love that image. <laughs> Isn't that neat? <laughs> Ukuleles just hanging all over the place. I really love that image. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, mine told me that, who, who had, like, He's a collector of ukuleles. He has, he has 350 in his collection. Mm. And I was kidding him about that, and he goes, hey, George Harrison's got them everywhere in his house. Is there a message you want to make sure the listeners get? Is there an essence, an essential message you want to make sure gets out there? Yeah, it may be oversimplistic, Baruch, but I, I am a, I'm an old-time hedonist, and I really feel, I really believe that feeling good is important. And so I want to invite people to shamelessly feel good and feel better all the time. From wherever they are right now, it's uh, find something to feel good about. That's, that's what I recommend. And my whole key to this whole deal is music. Music has helped me in that way always to find a little better feeling 
in the moment, in the day, in my life, and in my vision of the future. And so that's what I would really like to to communicate. I, I hope it's not too simplistic and uh, or vague sounding, but I would just like to invite people to reach for a better feeling in every moment and use music if it's helpful because it sure has been to me. I think it's a great message. Awesome. Thank you so much, Will McCoy. Thank you, Veronica. It's been a real pleasure being with you. That was Will McCoy, the Rhythm Rancher. We had a lot of fun doing that interview. Well, I did anyway. And uh, we actually ended up just yammering on and I, I edited out all of the sort of stuff that didn't fit for the show. But really sweet person, very friendly, very generous, very talented. And, and I would say brave because to you know, really stray completely from any musical boundaries you've been taught and just like go wild and create this kind of music. It's pretty amazing. We're going to listen to some more tracks from Sleep On It now. We've got ooh, a little while left for our show, so I'm happy to play some more of Will McCoy, the Rhythm Rancher, for you. This one is called This Day Two. Thank you. 
kind of like rock and roll trance music. That one's called Just Now, with now in all caps. We heard Roomba before that, and we started out with a track called This Day Too. And those are all on the Rhythm Ranchers CD, Sleep On It. And you can find out more about his CDs by going to myspace.com slash Rhythm Rancher. Hope you've enjoyed meeting Will tonight and hearing some of his music. We will listen to one last piece when we end the show in a few minutes. But I just wanted to remind you that Paradigms is here every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And I love to hear from listeners. If you have feedback, if you have a project you'd like to talk about on the air or someone who you think should be interviewed or anything at all, an idea to share, send me an email, baruch, B-A-R-U-C-H at M-C-N dot org, or just go to our website, paradigms.bz, and there's a link there that you can click on to email me. Love to hear from you, love to hear your thoughts, your ideas. The whole idea is that we are capable of doing so much, but for a lot of people, and I have to say for myself, before I can do something, I need to imagine it. I need to visualize it. I need to imagine what something will be like. If I'm building a house, I want to imagine walking through it. If I'm making a painting, I want to imagine what it will look like. And even what the steps along the way will be like. By visualizing, by imagining, and for some people it's not visual, some people are auditory or kinesthetic. By imagining something, we are able to move that much closer to making it a reality, to manifesting it in the world. I believe that because I've experienced it. It's not just some weird woo-woo idea. It's really how I live. And it's how many people live, and it's how you probably live that way without even realizing if you want something to happen in your life, you think about it first, you imagine it. So the idea of paradigms is let's imagine the world we want to be moving towards and that helps us do it. Let's find inspiration and be inspiring. So we're going to play one last piece of music and that's it for us for the night. I hope you're having a great weekend and I hope you'll come back and listen next week to our Valentine's Day show on local vorism and I hope you'll uh, tune in on February 21st to meet some people from the Bajawi people in Africa and learn about this ancient civilization that is descended thousands of years back they can trace their lineage and most people have never heard of them so I think you'll find very interesting to hear the interviews and to hear the music from the Bajawi on February 21st. Have a great week. We're going to go out now with one last piece from the Rhythm Rancher from his CD Sleep On It. It's called All Night. Have a great all night. This is Baruch, Paradigms, WBKM.org.
been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Thank you.